A quick content warning for our listeners. This episode includes discussions of pregnancy loss, including miscarriage, stillbirth, and abortion. If you think you might be triggered or upset by any of these topics, might we suggest skipping this episode or saving it for a later time when you can safely engage? We did not receive comprehensive sex education, and we certainly did not receive information that was specific to pregnancy. How do they support women in the workforce to help them when they start families? Pregnancy is a life-threatening health condition, okay? You're forcing people to have these babies, but you don't want to support them when they have the kids. You're listening to Two Bees in a Pod, and I am Bilola. And I am Bilionga, and this is a podcast about immigrant experiences, sharing our perspectives on various topics. Including straddling cultures, fitting in, staying connected, learning and unlearning the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today, our topic is another things they didn't teach us. And today's episode is on pregnancy and childbirth. So we're going to talk about that. You know, obviously, that is a topic that can span hours and hours, but we will cover different aspects. But before we get into it, as usual, our icebreaker. And today, the question is, what is a pregnancy myth or old wives tale that you stand behind that is you know it's superstition but you still stand behind it i've been thinking about this all day i i was thinking about it as i was driving home this <laughs> evening and i was like i cannot think of one that i'm like yeah because i feel like all of them were full <laughs> but if there's anyone that came close i want to say that it feels like boys don't do their mothers the way girls do like if your face transforms during pregnancy, I'm going to go with girl. Really? Yes. I haven't heard that one, or maybe I've heard the opposite. And now I don't remember. I was thinking about like comparing most of the people I know, the ones who had girls and the ones who had boys. And when it comes to the face, which some people call a pregnancy mask, um, it looks like the like- girls that <laughs> Like that, the what they say, like your nose spreads. This is beyond the nose. You know when you see somebody <laughs> was pregnant and you scream because you didn't recognize them? Like, it was just that mm. different. And it might not even be the sweat. It just feels like it's a diff- you're looking at a different person. Huh. The one that I used to believe, which I feel like it has been debunked now, at least for me, where they say that boys sit lower and girls sit higher. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so, like, if you if you're looking at a woman's pregnant, you know, abdomen, Belly. right? Like, if it's like high up, just under her chest, like it seems like the mound is starting really high up, then that's a girl. But if it's really low down, kind of pointing towards the ground, then it's a boy. And I used to believe that because I guess I had just seen women where you know coincidentally that happened to be the case but then i think recently i've seen other women where that was not the case i mean i always knew it was an old wives tale but i used to kind of believe it low-key <laughs> i don't there's i'm trying to think it's strange i i tell people i didn't grow i feel like i did not grow up around anybody having kids when i was younger mm-hmm. and so i went from hmm so like maybe people, my my peers having having kids and then I had a kid and just absolutely had no idea what I was doing or what was happening. So that's the perfect segue into the first 
you know, section of what we wanted to discuss, right, is the fact that, and we mentioned this when we talked about boarding school, that there was not really a comprehensive sex education that, at least that we did not receive in school. Um, And that is the case here in the U.S. presently. Like, it's not something that is mandated by the federal government. So it's up to the states to decide what type of sex education, you know, children are receiving. So it varies widely. But yeah, we did not receive comprehensive sex education. And we certainly did not receive information that was specific to pregnancy. So that's where you have this proliferation of old wives' tales and misinformation and myths and people going into pregnancy and just realizing that the human body does things that they never have spared. <laughs> I would start by saying that I I thought that morning sickness was, um it happened only in the morning. It doesn't? <laughs> it is all day sickness. Every day, all day, morning, night, and afternoon. In what? my case, it did not, it did not take breaks. Um, so, yes, I really thought that maybe... Like early in the morning when you wake up, you feel sick, but hey, by noon, you're good to go. Yeah, that's a lie. Oh, wow. So then why is it called morning sickness? Is it more common in the morning? Said so that's probably some old man who was an OB back in the day that decided to call it that because there's absolutely no reason. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be honest, like a lot of the information that I know now about pregnancy and childbirth. I learned from the internet, okay? <laughs> Listen, things that blew my mind, women talking about how their teeth fell out, you develop <laughs> dental problems. Um, you know, somebody, I saw this one just today, somebody talked about she broke her back giving mm-hmm. birth. What yes. is going on? <laughs> yes. Um, my sister told me that if you look at the skeleton of a woman who has given birth and one who hasn't, like you can tell from the skeletal remains, um, the difference. Jeez. Because like, so I used to joke that during pregnancy, I always tell my manager to walk in front of me when we're using the stairs. Cause I said my center of gravity has shifted and I didn't know which way I just felt like I would fall. But beyond that, they say that your the cartilage, your your joints soften, right? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, like, it can be rigid. Your body is, like, preparing for birth, and the big-headed child has to come out which way, and, like, your your skeleton is not going to grow. And so, like, your joints soften to allow um, them come through. But then also, they're sucking every nutrient from your body, and so if you fool around, they'll take all your calcium and your bones start breaking <laughs> because you're having a parasite in your body that is just sucking you dry. Oh, And then I've heard a couple of women say, talk about the hair loss, postpartum hair loss. And I don't know what that's about, but some people, some women experience it really, really badly. Like their edges go. It's basically you have like an excess of hormones during pregnancy to help you. And so a lot of women, they get really like thick and full hair during pregnancy. But it's like, sis, you're going, if you didn't have before, chances <laughs> that you won't have after. Um, so like your body, 
so I, a doctor explained it basically like once you have the child, like a lot of these hormones that go away and your body is just in disarray. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. he has picked hair as one of the things that, look, I don't have time for you right now. Good. So, <laughs> pregnancy is ghetto. I just want anybody, I don't know if you have very strong feelings. This might not be the episode for you because I'm not. I'm not one of those advocates for, I'm not going to be a pregnancy influencer in this life ever. So on TikTok, there is a, she's called the girl with the, the girl with the, oh, no. I, I saw it yesterday. <laughs> so there's this account, it's literally called girl with the list. And when women share these, you know, pregnancy stories about their experiences, she's adding it to a list that she has on her phone. And I think the last time I checked, it was over 300. And the list is titled Reasons to be Child Free, which that's her list, right? But I think it should be more aptly titled Things to Know if you're considering getting or things to know if you can get pregnant not even if you're considering because you could get pregnant by accident you should know these things there's so many things i want to say because yes even after my own experience there was a thread on twitter a few years back where people were sharing pregnancy stories and i was just sitting there like jesus because what is mind-blowing is i i always say that i went into pregnancy blindly like i did not know the worst outcome I think beyond having a miscarriage, I was not thinking about teeth falling out and carpal tunnel syndrome. And so I'm like, how can you people know this? And you are here having multiple children. Like you are playing Russian roulette with your lives. Moving on. You said like, if we even want to go back from like pregnancy and why we don't talk about it, I think because the precursor to pregnancy is sex, mm. nobody wants to talk about it because we're from this religious societies and sex is bad and everything but it's also very interesting that we were not we didn't get any sex ed but i remember once they they put on this big production of a pro-life play so i'm wondering how we got to the pro-life part when like how did we get to saving the 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 uterus the the fetus without (laughs) discussing the part before but as I was thinking about this episode, I was just wondering, I was like, okay, if they don't want to talk about teens, don't want to talk to teens about sex, why isn't there a pregnancy class during premarital counseling or something? Like, okay, they are married now. Tell them, because I still think that people get married and they have no idea what they're walking into. It should not even be, I don't think it should even be tied to marriage because obviously women are having children in all kinds of relationships, right? Unmarried, friends with benefits, one night stand. Situation. I'm ready ready to have a child, so let's do this. (laughs) Every ship that you can imagine, people, you know, women are are getting pregnant. So it should be... It shouldn't be, yeah. It should be accessible information way before you you are even in that situation so that you you are making an informed choice right and you know what you're getting into it's healthcare you need to prepare yourself financially mentally Don't physically women some women are permanently disabled after you know, pregnancy yeah. <laughs> i told you you know there's like I watched Bridgerton, but they were talking about sex in this case, but I think it applies to pregnancy. 
I think that they said that if that the reason that the mothers didn't want to tell their daughters about sex was if they told them how good it could be. They're worried that, that if they told them how good it could be, they would like run off to find out. I think that with pregnancy is the opposite way. If they talked to, if they told us the truth about pregnancy, nobody will have children. Do you really think so? Because in the age not, of not the internet, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that girl with the list, right? I, it, has she, you know, frightened the living daylights out of me? Yeah, but I, I was already not on team, you know, no. But I think that if a woman who was planning to have children, if you came across that list, would it worry you? Would it frighten you? Yeah, but I don't see it changing anybody's mind. So I feel like people on the fence, like, I don't think that I grew up like, oh my God, I'm just going to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say I happened into motherhood. I tell people that I saw it is ghetto. Do not recommend. We're not doing this again. <laughs> my friend actually told me she found a word that describes me. It's called tocophobia. They're like people, there's primary ways like people who have a pathological fear of pregnancy, even though they've never experienced it. And they have the secondary girlies like me who have experienced it. And it's like, do not recommend but to your point, there are people who they know this. So there's like an extreme form of morning sickness called hypermesis gravidarum, where like you're severely dehydrated and a lot of women end up in the hospital. They need like hydration. Mm-hmm. And I saw this one girl who talked about it and she shared, you know, like she was so traumatized. I was scrolling on Instagram, find out she had two more children and she had two more cases of like, she suffered the same thing two more times. And I was just like, y'all, y'all like to gamble because how can you know this? And you are still going. But it was worth it for her now. But at least she was armed with that information. True. She did not she walk made, into she, it. Yeah. She made the informed choice. So wait, you're, so what was that word again? Tocophobia? Tocophobia. Yeah. Okay, thank you that thank you for letting me know the adjective that describes me, <laughs> a tocophobic person. But you know what is funny? Like a friend of mine said something to me a few years ago where she said that, you know, we all assume that we are fertile, we are taking plan B, just assuming that we have we're all fertile. And I think it starts back to that lack of sex ed because the version of sex ed that a lot of people got was if you talk to boys, you get pregnant. If you have sex, you get pregnant. And so there's this inherent assumption that we are all fertile. And whenever we are ready or if we have sex, we're going to get pregnant. And there's, there's that angle of no preparation because then there are people who think that they're ready. You know, they do things, they get married or their situationship. And it's like, I'm ready now. And then you're shocked and you're wondering like, what did I do? Is it something that I did that got me here? Where we don't talk about all the other the roadblocks that exist on the path. Um, I'd had a conversation with a friend who's an OB back in the clubhouse days. And I asked her, I said, how do you prepare for pregnancy? She said, you can't. Because, <laughs> because outside of the common um, fertility issues that we know, like with endometriosis or PCOS, she said, sometimes your your body and your partner's body are just not compatible. To your point, right, aside from the sex ed, you're right, just information or education about pregnancy, the chances of getting pregnant, how it works, what your body's doing at different times of the month. Um, And then another 
thing which is not really discussed. And particularly, I think in certain societies, like when we were growing up, if a couple was unable to have children, it was automatically assumed that the infertility issue was the woman, right? And your favorite book, (laughs) The Secret Lives of Baba Segi's Wives. Um, By the way, my sister listened to us talking about that book on one of the episodes and she went and read it and she loved it. It's it's a really funny book, but it addresses this issue in a comical way, right? There's this man who is polygamous and he has... How many wives were there? Four? He had three wives and then he brought the fourth wife and she wasn't getting pregnant. She wasn't getting pregnant. And then, spoiler alert, she ends up finding out from the other wives that they were just, he was the issue, right? So they were just going to their side dudes and getting pregnant. And this man was over here thinking that all these children were his children, whereas he was the one with the infertility issue. But it's not, I mean, that book is funny, but it's not a joking matter. And specifically for women, it's, I think it is used to shame women. Yeah, it it really is very often. I mean, it's happened to me where um, I'm talking about people having issues and my first thing is always like, hey, did you check for this or did you check for that? I don't automatically go like, hey, did you did your partner check their own, you know, if if it's them? I my head typically just goes to the woman. And I think it even goes back to when you think about some of these Bible stories, right? They talk about barren women. And I hate that word so much. It it should just not be used. It should be discarded. But when you look at these Bible stories, like what was that Abraham's wife's name? Sarah. Sarah. Is, is, isn't she the one who was quote unquote barren? But you have these kind of stories in these, you know, religious teachings where it's like, oh, uh, this woman was barren and the that Lord has true. blessed her. And it's very, I think it just adds to this culture of women feeling shame around their infertility issues, right? And it's such a complex thing that really only professionals should be giving opinions as with everything concerning women's reproductive health. But as we'll discuss later, (laughs) that's not the case. Um, But yeah, it's a complex issue. But luckily, the science, you know, has advanced and, you know, women... Women can make those choices. They have access to better medicine and, you know, infertility treatments if that's what is needed. I wanted to mention briefly miscarriages because they're a lot more common than we think. And we don't know that they're that common because we don't talk about them, right? Yes. And something that I used to say, but why don't people talk about it? But I also recognize that it could be a hard thing to talk about. Like you cannot Mm -hmm. force people to talk about it. Um, And yes, it's fairly common. 10 to 20% of pregnancies will resolve, will end up in a miscarriage, like in the first 20 weeks, which 10 to 20%, that's a big number. That's that's not. And, And those are the pregnancies that are known there are women yes. who are miscarrying without even knowing that they were pregnant. So that percentage is higher than that. And then in some places, they don't even record the miscarriages. Right. So you cannot get um, data because, I mean, like now there's a lot of talk about like black maternal mortality. And mm-hmm. I was looking there's some study, I think it's the Lancet study that said they, they checked in seven countries and they said there's a 42 percent. There's a. 42% increased chance of miscarriage in black women compared to white women. 
And so I don't know if it's oh. like socioeconomic factors, is it genetic? I mean, I know I know in this country there's also just negligence from doctors mm-hmm. not believing yeah. um what their patients are saying to them and just negligence. But 43 is that's a big gap. Yeah, that's significant. I wonder, like you were saying, right? Because in the US, black women have a significantly higher maternal mortality, right? So maybe it's linked to that and just you know, them receiving less than adequate um, health care. But yeah, I mean, uh, miscarriages is, uh, every woman would deal with it differently, right? Some women really grieve that loss and, you know, there's trauma associated with it. So I understand why it's not something that people may be open to talking about. Yeah. But the bottom line that is that it is common and you should not be ashamed, right? If it's something that you've experienced, Um yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the way that people approach parenthood, right? Because I don't know if you were having this or people were having these conversations with you before you had your child, but particularly in Cameroonian culture, I feel like people are really forward and make assumptions. What was the word I'm looking for? Presumptuous, right? To ask you why you're not having a child when you're when you're going to have a child giving you unsolicited advice <laughs> about i've literally had more this has happened to me more than once like and it's from women just born ya pekin now just born ya pekin for those who don't speak pigeon it's literally translated just just have your child just go ahead and, and have your child and this was in the context of you know of course, people asking, oh, no, you're not married. You're not in a relationship. Why not? It's okay. Just born your picking. <laughs> it's like it starts beyond the just born your picking. It's like even with couples, as soon as they get married, mm. then it's like, oh, we cannot wait to come. And I'm guilty where I used to ask people, like, ah, so when is a baby coming? You don't know who has suffered a miscarriage. You don't know who is dealing mm. with what is none of your business. Don't mm-hmm. ask. It took a lot of, you know, like in the beginning when I decided to change my ways, it was like I'm sitting there holding, biting. These days I could be looking at you and I'm looking at your stomach. I'm like, that looks like a pregnant stomach. But I said, if they want to tell me, they'll say, but we're not going to talk about it if they don't want to talk about it. Because they could look like they're pregnant. It could be fibroids. It could be they just lost the pregnancy. And so you're Mm -hmm. still looking, you're still looking pregnant. It doesn't just because you had a miscarriage, you know, your body don't sit there and be like, oh, this one was not a a live birth or a full birth. So we treat it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something that people are kind of flippant with, right? Commenting um, on people's appearance, like, if the woman has not opened her mouth to tell you that she's pregnant, don't ask. Don't mention it. It doesn't matter what the belly looks like. I just want to say that don't be like me, where you did know they were pregnant and then you ask them when they were when they were due after they had the baby. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> did they had they just had the baby? No, but I just remember feeling mortified when I said, Oh, how much longer? And she said he's at home. Damn, Bila. Oh, but I mean, yeah, if you're not close to the person, I could see how, yeah. <laughs> you know, hopefully they forgave you. It's okay. If you don't know, that means they didn't. 
no, no, it was it was somebody at my daughter's daycare in Houston. So it's, we're not in touch. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. You're not friends. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, you know, another thing that gets me about this kind of just born your picking sentiment is I feel like a lot of people speak about children like they are just it's some something to just Vibes. accomplish, right? Vibes. It's just Vibes. <laughs> It's like something you that you wake, just do. You can wake up this morning like, I feel like having a baby. Let's do it. There, there's. I do agree that there's almost like a laissez-faire attitude about having kids. Because you would see people who are already struggling to take care of the kids that they have. And they're having more. And I hate this statement. Bikina for Bona. What does, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> what? 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 How can people be taking care of your kids for you? You have, you know, your siblings or family members are paying black tax and you are still having more on who's dying. And they're like, but you know, say picking up for bonam now. And then, oh, children are a blessing. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> no. Historically, right? When we're thinking about cultures where, and also, especially back in the day where infant mortality and child mortality in general was really high people were having a lot of children one because you're hedging your bets right that you want (laughs) to survive you know the more you have the more will survive if you only have a couple or a few what if all of them you know unfortunately passed away in childhood which was a real risk back then right so that was one and then also when we're talking about um maybe people who are agricultural you know exactly yeah they they need the labor <laughs> <laughs> they need the bodies to work the farm or the fishery or whatever it is that was another reason why you know people were were having kids for economic reasons which seems counterintuitive because you're gonna have to feed the kids but they, they also make money in that case so historically i could understand it right but but today in 2023, I always ask people, I said, okay, you had one child. What's your motivation for number two and number three? It's like, I just wanted, now what do you mean by you just wanted? And I try to ask, like, I'm not judging. I'm curious because something that I found that sort of annoys me is with everybody like, ah, number two, number two. And I'm like, why? Like, you know. What is the reason? And it's like, so can have a playmate. I just take offense to the fact that this, you know, fetus or egg in sitting there minding his business and your own destiny in this life is to come and be somebody's playmate. Like, are you a court jester? Like, you just came to this world to keep somebody company. Well, but that's a valid reason. Uh. Isn't that a valid? I, I can understand that as a reason to have another kid because you don't want your child to be an only child. That's, a, I don't know. No, but what I'm saying from the perspective of this kid, <laughs> yeah, that's the way I, I decided to look at it is that it wasn't like, I even think that the one, the children that were in the agrarian society, right? It's like we needed labor. But I'm just mm-hmm. saying that you, that you came as number two so that your sibling could have a companion. It's like you just came to this earth as a teddy bear stuffed <laughs> animal. <laughs> wow, that's kind of, that's a really dark way of looking. I've never, I've never thought of it from that perspective. <laughs> um, But... 
again, speaking about culture, right? And I think this is a global thing, maybe more common in some societies than others. This assumption that all women want to have children, right? That women are just, uh, that's why speaking of destiny, trying to talk to people about their destiny, people will literally say, but that's why you're here. You you were made for that. Uh, me? My body? Sorry. <laughs> we were not made for that. Yes, <laughs> that's another thing that I hate. This like natural nurturer as like, I'm like, well, who told you that I'm a nurturer? I have like four children that I really, really love. Outside of those four, please, my nurture is not very strong. <laughs> let me expand the number but there's a few children like i'm not in natural like i just see a baby i want to carry keep your child to yourself don't assume that just because i'm around you i want to carry a baby because i'm a woman because that's also the assumption like if you're mm-hmm. sitting somewhere with a baby it's like oh you guys are nurtured no fam no don't don't do that and i think there's also a more insidious side to that you know natural nurturers where in a relationship, then that is more of a reason why people justify women carrying the more of the workload in child rearing because it's assumed that, but you're better at it. You're just naturally better at it. <laughs> Somebody said something to me one day about like, you know, you're, you know, you're better at these days. I said, sorry, I didn't know the vagina came preloaded with recipes and caregiving. I see. It came with a manual. Listen, <laughs> I lost mine somewhere. <laughs> it fell out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and it's and you see it like I remember seeing this thread on Twitter where I think the woman didn't want a child, or it's like something you see it every now and again where a woman maybe didn't want a child and was like forced not forced but maybe she had the I don't even remember but she decided to have the baby and sign over all her rights to the father and he was very upset that she was out here she was paying him child support too um <laughs> I've seen that I think I, th- I think it's a reddit it came from reddit but I've seen it I've seen that <laughs> I've seen where somebody shared that and this was a Cameroonian who shared like an aunt she was married, had two kids, and was just like, yeah, I'm not about this motherhood thing. I left the children with their father and walked away. And this was in, like, a WhatsApp class group. And there were men that were very strong opinions, like, insulting her. I'm like, why? Men walk out away on their phone. You know, men walk out of their, of their families every day. Nobody's, mm-hmm. you know, losing sleep about it. It's like, oh, where is he? He left. But somehow she has decided, like, would you rather she was there and abusing the kids or would you rather somebody be honest with themselves and say hey these these are my limits so i don't know if you're familiar in houston if you go to prenatal classes they they talk about ptsd a lot because Mm -hmm. there was a lady in houston 2000 early 2000s maybe 90s andrea yates where she was suffering from like severe um postpartum depression with like psychosis Mm-hmm. And I think after maybe second or third, the doctor told her husband she should not have any more kids. But I think there was like a religious aspect to it and he just kept procreating. But I think by the time she had the fourth kid, it was so bad. She was not allowed to be alone with the children. So in the morning when he was going to work, his mother would come over and then she would stay until he came back. And this morning there was maybe a 15 
it wasn't up to an hour. There was a small window where something happened and she ended up alone and she killed all her children. Oh my God. All of them. And so in Houston, she was in Houston. So it's a very big thing that they talk about. I wish that she had had the proper support around mm-hmm. her to recognize. I don't, because they don't talk about her family much. I don't know where they were, but I just wish that somebody would have been able to recognize like she was not in any state to have been raising, have getting pregnant and trying to raise kids. You brought up a good point about postpartum depression because a lot of women experience it. And like many things, it's on a spectrum, right? So some for some women, it's more severe than others. Some women need, you know, medication, literally. And again, it's one of those things that, number one, women are not educated about enough prior to becoming pregnant. And then I just feel like there's this lack of empathy um, for mothers who are experiencing postpartum depression, like it's just something is dismissed or you're making a big deal. You know, another layer of postpartum depression is women who have experienced stillbirths. Mm. So it, it feels like because you did not bring a baby home, everybody expects you to move on and be okay. But your body and your mind are not. Because like I said, just because you experienced a stillbirth or you had the baby and the baby passed away within hours, your body doesn't know, doesn't care. So you could still be experiencing postpartum shedding. But for the woman who has a baby, she could be like, oh, it was well worth it. I have my baby. But when you don't have a baby, then nobody is paying attention to that. Or people even forget. It's like maybe because you don't have a baby, when you're crying or you're depressed, and people are looking like, what's wrong with you? They are, they are forgetting that mm-hmm. you still had the hormones in your body and your body's also going through all that turmoil. And you're dealing with the loss. loss. As you're, well, grieving, right? you're grieving also. Yeah. And I read an article where this woman was, you know, talking about her experience and she had, I don't know if it was a miscarriage or a stillbirth, but it was quite far along in the pregnancy. And she was talking about how she was lactating, you know, after that, and it's, I cannot even imagine it must be a horrible, like horrible experience. And all of the other things we were just talking about, right? Like the bone issues, the teeth issues, your hair is falling out, all of this stuff that you're dealing with physically, plus the postpartum depression, and then you're grieving also, you know, the loss of this um, unborn child. Like it's, I, I can't even imagine. And yeah, I, I don't think there's enough support out there you know like we were talking about with uh, Bemi last time mental health is not you know it's not prioritized you know the American healthcare system first of all if you don't have money you ain't accessing shit including you know mental health um so it's it's just one of those things that definitely the U.S. is way way behind like what what it should be doing and it's funny, I was watching a TikTok video per use, and this lawyer, <laughs> she was, she was, I forgot specifically what she was talking about, but she mentioned something that is really, I think, I don't know, right? Because I don't have children and I don't want them, but women have to consider the disparate impact and risk. And I'm not just talking about like the health, you know, the physical concerns, but I'm talking about the impact on the trajectory of your life. When a man says, I want to have a child, 
that is a very different thing than a woman saying, I want to have a child. And as involved and as, you know, father of the year, there there is no way that the impact on a man's life is going to be the same as it is on a woman's life when, you know, that couple is is having a child. And for many women, as we know, the trajectory of your life can change in a way that you you do not want, right? You could end up depending on when, especially at what age and your socioeconomic status when you have that child, it will really, really impact your socioeconomic status long-term, your job opportunities, your education opportunities, housing, it, it the impact that it has on your life, to your point, men often do walk away <laughs> and nobody blinks, but a lot of times it's the woman who is left with, you know, that I don't want to call it a burden because children are not a burden, but the responsibility. I won't call it's not that the children are a burden, but child rear the burden of child rearing. Right. I I forgotten where I saw this chart where it shows like, you know, coming into the workforce breakdown by gender, where it's almost equal. But then somewhere around mid-management or like, let's just say 30s, 40s, a lot of women fall off. And it was like, how do they support women in the workforce to help them when they start families to keep them? Because in this country, it just doesn't make sense. Like past a certain number of children, first of all, somebody is going to have to stay in the house. Because if you have back-to-back, you have triplets, twin multiples, and say you have three of them in diapers and in daycare at the same time. The average cost of decent daycare is what? Over a thousand a month for one. Mm-hmm. So let's just say 1500. Imagine paying 4,500 every month. How much are you making? Like you're working to pay to pay for mm-hmm. daycare. Yeah. If you're not. And so people have to make a more than not is the woman who has to take one for the team. Yeah, on the, on the rare occasion a man would, and I know someone, and I remember asking him like, "Hey, so where do you work?" And he's like, "Well, I'm a stay-at-home dad." The entire time I was begging my face because I make a lot of facial expressions, and I'm not always aware. So the entire time I was talking to him, I was just begging my face that I hope you have like poker face. I hope you because i was so worried because even for me i can be shouting you know best in feminism but him saying that he was a stay-at-home dad my first reaction was not just oh cool it was like there was the wow interesting before it's not how many stay-at-home dads do you meet on a regular day right no that's true uh i mean i love that for him though I love that for him. Our, she she no longer works with our firm, but there was a really like high ranking black woman um, at the company where I work. She left, but her husband um, was a stay at home dad. And I read this article where the the writer was basically making the case that for a woman with children to reach a certain career level, for example, I think my, this CEO that they were that I'm talking about I think she was one of the women that they named in that article your your male partner basically you have to switch roles and do what so many women are doing for their high achieving male partners which is that the man has to stay home 
like that's the only way that it works. Somebody has to sacrifice their career. If one person is really going to get to that level we're talking about, that CEO, you know, it's very rare where you have two people. I don't know if it can be done. Like two, like I'm talking about super high achieving, you know, C-suite people and y'all have kids and, you know, you are the ones raising those kids, not oh, no. hired help. It, it be ain't the happening. It's not going to happen. If exactly. you have to be a high achiever, heck, just sometimes just achieve. You need help. <laughs> no, because the hardest thing about raising kids in this country is when they say it takes a village, it really does take a village. And in this country, there's not a lot of people have villages. Mm -hmm. So the child is sick. And you're the person who has to take off, you know, only the two of you are figuring out how to take off work. In contrast, to think about in Cameroon, where a lot of people are in the same town with their parents. You know, if something is happening, you can be, hey, can go to auntie's house, go to mm -hmm. grandparents. There's always just like a community of people or... You know, like when I was in, in Houston, I had friends where my friend would just say, hey, what are you doing? I'll come pick, I'll come get your kid and take them out with mine. Um, mm -hmm. Some of that, like give you a break. Or if your friend is like trying to go to work, their childcare plans have fallen through. Then they have people that they can reach out to. But there are a lot of people who don't. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And not just American society, right? The the American government. And I guess it falls on the society because we vote for these damn people. America has the worst parental leave policy for any quote unquote developed nation. There is no federally mandated parental leave. We talked about this in the episode on, you know, corporate America, where women are expected to go back to work after six weeks, six weeks. And again, that is just, you know, that company adhering to maybe a state minimum. They don't have to do that. And they don't have to pay you for that. Childcare, to your point, like you just said, is incredibly expensive. There are many, many other Western nations where they subsidize childcare. You have longer parental leave. And then when you're going back to work, I mean, people are not working literally to pay for childcare. So I don't know what if FMLA is mandated, but there's like the Family and Medical Leave Act that mm -hmm. you can get 12 weeks off it is it does not cover compensation the mm -hmm. coins that's that's a different story but you can um take time off using fmla just to have that time off and then figure out um how to how to get paid america is just a very strange place because for all the pro-life that they are shouting in this country prior to the affordable care act pregnancy was a pre-existing condition so <laughs> Lord, if you got pregnant, you could have been denied insurance by virtue of the fact that you you got pregnant because pregnancy comes with its own number of issues like bone density changes. Um, after I had my daughter, I had preeclampsia, which I've decided that preeclampsia is just when your body's doing things and the doctor doesn't know how to say what's wrong because it's just <laughs> things that happen in pregnancy. I remember being very hung up on the word. I said, so what is eclampsia? And nobody said, if it's called preeclampsia, why did mine come after she had exited? Now, when a lot of women, it's usually when they're pregnant, mine came after. Mm -hmm. And it was just like my blood pressure spiked. Nobody knew why. Couldn't tell. So like my first couple of days, it was very dramatic. My, my first couple of postpartum days, 
super dramatic. There was Tosin and the ER doctor. ER doctor said he was trying to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember. I went back to the hospital after being discharged. And then they're panicking because supposedly like blood pressure was like through the roof. But nobody could explain it. So I just had to like, for about three months or so, I had to check my blood pressure every day, take medication and yada, yada, yada. But then it went away, thankfully. Some people's never left. That's it. They locked in for life. Others mm-hmm. have gestational diabetes and that's it. They're pre-diabetic. You know, they, they're sitting there on the fence for life. And so prior to Affordable Care Act, insurance could i there was a girl who had a baby so i had a baby right after the aca came into effect and this one girl who had her baby maybe a couple weeks before she said when she came back they the insurance company sent her to go get a medical exam before she could sign up because when you let when so at our company when you left work to have a baby they took you off insurance of like contributions and yes everything so what? you had to re-sign up when you came back to work because you were not contributing you were not working you were not getting paid for her to sign up for insurance postpartum she needed a physical wow but you know right to life you know poor life have the baby blah 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 yeah whatever that's insane and for our listeners who are not you know in the u.s um in america your health insurance is tied to your employment <laughs> right so you you have to be employed to have you know health insurance unless you make a stupidly low amount of money which the the poverty line i mean i don't know <laughs> it's it's ridiculous because there are people who are struggling but are technically above the poverty line and they don't qualify so for so much you know social assistance because the government has set that poverty line to be so low and I feel like in a way it's intentional to to avoid. <laughs> Let's not go into entitlements. There are also doctors who don't take medi- Medicare and Medicaid, which are like the social, the government funded um, insurance programs. There are doctors who don't accept it or any kind of insurance even because they say they don't want to deal with the reimbursements and all of the headache that comes with that. So they don't even, but American healthcare is a topic for another day. It really is. But I mean, the the, the bottom line is that in America, healthcare is not considered a right. And, and that's just all you need to know yeah. to understand um, why the system is the way it is. But we're talking about women's re- reproductive health specifically, right? And for advocates of women's rights, or just honestly, people who believe that women are people, are human beings, reproductive health is a right. Access to reproductive health is a right. And under reproductive health is access to abortion, which has been, you know, a hot topic. I mean, it has been for decades, but particularly since June of last year, when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, For people who are not familiar, Roe v. Wade was a Supreme Court decision passed in 1973 that basically secured um, access to abortion federally for women across America. It just made it illegal for states to have laws that criminalize um, access to abortion. And last year, the Supreme Court overturned that decision. So now it's up to each state to decide what is, you know, illegal what what they determine to be legal and illegal. And as you can imagine, the states that are conservative, where, you know, 
Republican states, they would have the strictest um, anti-abortion laws. And we're seeing those now really come come into effect. And they are just terrorizing women in those states. And, and their doctors. There are yes. clinics that have been shutting down because there's so much ambiguity in the laws they're writing. Mm-hmm. And so people don't even want to risk it and they're moving out of state. <laughs> See, this one, there's there's just so many layers. There's 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 so much to it because, like you said, reproductive health is it's it's healthcare, it's it's part of your health. And my friend always joked, she said, if men had periods, we would be able to get abortions at a drive-thru. Facts. <laughs> because when one cramp hits them, they would not, I don't understand why you're legislating something that you have no experience, no idea what is happening. It's It just all comes down to control, but you're mm-hmm. playing with people's lives because you have to wait and then people there's all this paperwork going back and forth where the time is an issue and then it's costing people thousands of dollars to do the same thing that they could have like even before they they um what is the word they use revoked ro- overturned, overturned. Wade. um texas texas and some other like some of these conservative states they had it where if you were going to get an abortion and it was all ima- emotional manipulation. So they had it where you would come and they'll make you get an ultrasound and hear the heartbeats. And then they said you had to wait 24 hours. The 24 hours was not for any health reasons. It was so you can <laughs> sit and marinate on, oh, I heard that heartbeat. So now I really, really just want to have this baby because that heartbeat was just tugging at my heartstrings. Not thinking about, you know, people are worried about various reasons. How am I going to feed this child? It's not like there's support for you when you have the baby. There's all these things that you're feeling comfortable to proceed. And it's, it's just like, it's like the rights, they want you to, it's forced births. Because mm-hmm. once for a society that's talking about pro-life, there's no no nonsense pro-life. You don't have childcare. You mm-hmm. don't have support for working mothers. You don't, you don't even want to give the work, the women who had this baby's insurance for crying out loud. Like there's nothing. You just want them to have a baby and then it's like middle finger. Yep. Fuck off. See, this is how I know that to your point, right? About people legislating on shit that they know nothing about. I know I I could never be a lawmaker because I'm not going to sit in a chamber with men and start arguing about women. I'm going to ask you, who told you that you could speak on this? That's how I know we are very, very far away from, you know, girlies, we need to stand on business because the men who gave them, why do they feel so emboldened? I always tell people that I, I hear you put that marriage is a partnership, but only one person is putting their body at risk. So I personally believe that at the end of the day, it comes down to the woman saying, yes, let's do this or no. But I don't think that like you've never been pregnant. You don't know what it takes. And I really hate this notion of, well, just have the baby and give the baby up for adopt adoption. Hmm. Do you know the things that can happen before you make it to 40 weeks? Pregnancy is a life-threatening health condition, okay? Basically. And any discussion or opinions about 
the choices that are made in that condition, there are only two groups of people that should be involved in that discussion. One, women. Two, medical professionals with expertise in women's reproductive health. If you are not one of those two groups of people, you should be quiet you, because there is nothing useful, relevant, or important that you have to say about women's reproductive health. And that's on period, pun intended, okay? Because one is really interesting when I was researching for this episode, the history of abortion in America, because abortion used to be legal. It used to be common up until the mid 1800s. And it was legal up until a point in the pregnancy that they called the quickening, <laughs> which is the stage where you can feel the, the mother can feel the babies move. Right. So any point up to that, which from what I read, you tell me if this is correct. It's anywhere from four to six months. But basically, abortion was legal up to that point. And around the mid 1800s, like a lot of or a few things happened that I don't think were coincidences. The American Medical Association was formed, which was, you know, basically a group of all white male doctors who formed the AMA. And from what I've read and the videos I watched, basically they were trying to delegitimize the midwives who up until that point were obviously women who had been taking care of pregnancy and, you know, related um, health care for women. So the AMA was formed by this group of men and to try to push out the midwives who were doing, you know, the obstetric, you know, care gynecology, and they were also doing a lot of the abortions up to that point. It's also around this time that the Catholic Church, which this may surprise some people, prior to the mid-1800s, did not consider abortion to be immoral. They did not consider, it had no negative opinion on abortion. It was basically in line with the the law. It the, the Catholic Church considered abortion to be very fine up to this quote unquote quickening. So you have this point in America where the, the AMA is formed and then all of a sudden they're pushing for you know abortion to become illegal. The church is also changing its stance. All of these things are happening. And the historians that I've seen talking about this are suggesting that it was a time when they were worried about the birth rates of white women, <laughs> which I think is a funny coincidence when we're talking back to our current time in 2022, because when you listen to white nationalists, they are very much concerned that America is getting browner. So there is one school of thought that says this, you know, push to control women's bodies, you know, as you call it, forced birth, which is what it is. This anti-abortion legislation is kind of tied to this fear that there are, first of all, the birth rate is going down overall in all you know communities, but particularly there are more mixed race and non-white children being born in America. So it kind of mirrors what, to me, when I was reading it, it kind of mirrored what seemed to be Definitely. happening back, right? Yeah. I don't want I don't want to feed into conspiracy theories, but the math is just mathing in this case. I don't know what you think. You're talking about like the AMA. I, I remember seeing a drawing of a woman having a baby and she was on all fours. And somebody made a comment about who does that. And some, I did not look it up, but there was a response that said, 
um, actually, that's how women gave birth back in the day until they said somebody, obviously a man, decided they wanted to see what was happening and had women like laying down to have babies. So it's always things. I just like that today it more and more people and as i think black women more and more black women are recognizing that um there's better one-on-one care having midwives and doulas and they're turning to those and um, which are typically mm-hmm. women and turning to them to help them and walk them through their pregnancy and delivery journeys yeah i, I mean i've heard of that I, I to be honest i don't know um home birth that sounds scary to me because knowing the complications that could happen wouldn't you want to be in a hospital where you have access to those emergency equipment and all that? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I definitely understand where part, particularly black women, right? Who the maternal mortality rate in America for black women, I believe it's double the average. Yeah. And it's it's three times that of white women. So yeah. And who was it? Who, Serena Williams talked about it. Even Beyonce talked about it, how when they were pregnant, they had doctors dismissing their concerns, which is what happens to to black women, right? When they raise concerns, they are dismissed, you know, talking about they're overreacting. They're or being they hysterical. feel like they have a higher pain threshold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is which insane. Is like- my my OB kept asking me if I was in pain and I said I was fine. And when she was discharging me, I kept, she's like, how, what is your pain? I was like, I think I was like six, seven. She's like, oh, and she insisted that she gave me Vicodin, which I never took, but it was just like, ma'am, I said I was fine. I mean, I guess it was better that I wasn't in pain and she was insisting mm-hmm. on giving me pain meds where there are people who are in pain, but they're being dismissed. Or like people mm-hmm. who could say, like, I feel like my baby is not moving. And they're mm. like, no, it's just probably a big baby. It doesn't cost you. I don't think it takes too much to just be like, hey, come, let's do this so I can make you feel better. Maybe they have too many patients. I don't know. I don't know what the solution, but it's like, I wouldn't want to be at a doctor where I feel like I wasn't being heard and mm-hmm. my concerns were were not um valid. Right. And you made a good point about, this, you know, anti-abortion, you know, legislation and movement, it's not really about concern for the child because when children are born, FTK. the people, exactly, the, the people who are so call themselves pro-life, those are the same people who vote against they don't want the children to have lunch, free lunches at school. Mm-hmm. They don't want the children to have anything that is remotely paid for by the state but you wanted you forcing people to have these babies but you don't want to support them when they have the kids they uh, snap benefits and all of these food supplemental programs those same politicians vote against them against them so i I feel like at this point you just be honest right about what it is that you want because don't say that you're pro-life, you're concerned about the, the baby, you're not. Because when that baby comes, you don't give a shit anymore about the child or the parents. FTK. Fuck those kids. <laughs> and I just want to like draw more attention to this. I'm going to use Mississippi as an example, right? Because I was looking up the link between these states that have very strict, you know, anti-abortion laws and the 
their politicians are very against states, you know, safety net, social safety net programs. Mississippi has the highest maternal mortality rate. This is data from between 2018 to 2021. It has the highest um, maternal mortality rate. Mississippi is also one of the states that has the highest teen pregnancy rate. And it is one of the states that does not mandate comprehensive sex education, but instead insists on abstinence to be taught in schools. These three things all Mississippi having all of these, I don't think it's a coincidence. There's more because Mississippi is usually in the bottom, like bottom five for education, um, top five for obesity, like the comorbidities. I understand that people's families have histories and there's like five, six generations of your family in Mississippi. But I just feel like if you're a black person from Mississippi, you're like your outcomes just feel, they feel so bleak. That's not to say that people don't succeed from Mississippi, but it's one of those things where it feels like from the day you were born, you are fighting. Like your fight started in utero. Um, no, <laughs> You're not kidding up- because Mississippi has the highest infant mortality rates. So you're not even joking when you say that literally your fight starts <laughs> in the utero. <laughs> They, they talk about generational trauma and how like mothers passing down trauma. And I don't know if I'll use generational trauma just because it feels like Twitter speak these days. <laughs> but I just imagine like the stress of a woman who's pregnant and the child in, in utero can feel that stress. Um, same way you have children with fetal alcohol syndrome or you take mm-hmm. like they're taking everything from you, including your emotions. And, and uh, so, you secrete hormones when you're stressed. <laughs> so of course it's gonna impact your baby. So like a, a kid, a baby born, a black baby born in Mississippi, it's just like you are fighting as soon as you took your first breath, you are fighting for survival. I don't understand. Well, I do understand and I know who's voting for these politicians, but it is so incredibly ironic that you are against um, comprehensive sex education. You are against women have women having access to family planning services and reproductive health care clinics such as Planned Parenthood. You are against these things. But the data is showing that your population is suffering. Women are dying. Children are dying. Don't, don't forget, it was Mississippi that took money that was supposed to go towards SNAP, I think, or children's healthcare insurance, and they gave it to Brett Favre to build a volleyball stadium at Ole Miss, where his Bruh. daughter played. <laughs> Mississippi is and, the most egregious example, but you can clearly see with these other red states like Arkansas and Alabama, they're following the same trend. I was about to call them to next. And <laughs> in those states... It's the amount of money that is spent in those states towards school sports. Um, Because like I'm saying, they took money that was supposed to be meant for kids and gave it to Red Five to build a stadium, a volleyball stadium. Like I enjoy girl college girl sports like the next person. But how many people are really going to watch volleyball that you took money that was supposed to help? How many people are even on the volleyball team? And that's the same thing. The same in Arkansas, the highest paid state employee is the football coach. Wow. (laughs) 
So I wanted to talk about two, well, maybe one case that I just thought was insane, right? There's this woman in Ohio. She had a miscarriage. Prior to having that miscarriage, she uh. went to the, the hospital multiple times because she was having bleeding. She was having pain. And at one point, they determined basically that the fetus was non-viable, basically was going to die. And she went there multiple times. And it's like what you were saying, how medical professionals are scared to perform even life-saving procedures because then now they can be criminalized for you know, giving a woman an abortion. And what happened with this woman, sadly, is that the uh, fetus died in utero. She, you know, had the miscarriage at home. She came back to the hospital to let them know that she had had the miscarriage and, you know, the fetus was at home. Some healthcare worker at that hospital called the authorities and reported her and she was arrested for I think the crime that they're trying to charge her with is something like abusing a corpse or something because she put the fetal remains in a bucket. I don't know what they wanted her to do with it to perform a whole funeral ceremony. I, I have no idea what they wanted her to do with it. But this is somebody that had sought medical care. The doctors recognized that, you know, this pregnancy had to be terminated. They were afraid. I don't know if they were afraid or what reason they did not perform it. She goes home. She has a miscarriage. She comes back to the hospital and is seeking care. And she is reported and charged with a federal crime. This is just like an egregious example to show what is happening in this country. And I think it's really an attempt to scare other women when they do things like this. It is to put the fear of God in in other women, right? That you better bond that bikini. <laughs> I think I think women just need to fight back with their vote, which is what they're saying that is happening. I just hate that a lot of women, especially these evangelical women, it had to take them happening to their friends and their families for them now to be like, oh, like we could have told you that that was going to happen when they did this. I don't know what you guys were thinking, but now that you've personally experienced it, you want to change your stance because next door to Illinois, in Iowa, a lot of especially OBs and nurses who did um, OB work have left the state because it's just hard. They don't want to lose their licenses. They don't want to go to jail for doing the work that they've been trained to do. And then like even talk about that, what is even more scary is I, I know somebody who was in school in Ohio, in medical school when Roe v. Wade was overturned. And so they were supposed to do abortion, like work with an uh, abortion provider as part of their training. As soon as Roe v. Wade came into effect, that was it. That was done. And so we're, we're going, like, as more time passes, we're going to have a gap with people like doctors who don't have the skills because they were not trained at all. Correct. Yeah. A woman in Texas literally had to sue the state to allow her to have an abortion where she has her child or her fetus has some chromosomal condition where it's like basically the child is going to die uh, within a certain amount of time of being born. And it is a risk to her health. It's like threatening her life. And she had to sue the state of Texas. And even then, when the court said that she could go ahead, the state attorney is still threatening her that they can still come after her and any physician that performs that procedure. 
that man needs to be in jail first of all but he, he has nine he has nine lives like a cat so we're not in texas essentially if uh, if you're if you're at risk of dying they basically have the law set up that if you're just at risk okay they want you to be on death's door before yeah. they want the doctor to do anything that's what they're arguing with this woman that she was not at a risk enough essentially the doctor is like so you wanted her literally to be on the deathbed before we make that call? That's that's what it is. Because there's so much more paperwork for the doctors now. They have to go through all of this procedure. You have to make sure. And because everybody's afraid. So you're making sure that you've checked this and checked that and checked. And there's all this paperwork that has to be done before it's like, okay, we're going to do perform this one. It's, it's a wild time. And to think that we're in 2023. And, you know, I remember being, it was the year 2000 where they were doing pro-life a play and making us sing pro-life anthem in school. And yet (laughs) here we are in 2023. And this is what we are still looking at. It's, it's actually ridiculous. And the funny thing is that the way to reduce, if, if you don't want, if you're saying that you don't want women to have abortions because whatever you care about the baby, thank you, educate them from a very young age and give them contraceptives. It has been proven time and time again, abstinence as a method of of sex education does not work with teens, but these people keep trying to teach abstinence. And then you look at your state and your state has the highest rate of teen pregnancy and you're wondering why. And the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) The same people who don't want to provide contraceptives are the same pro-lifers. Because yeah. with with the Affordable Care Act again, you had the Catholic Church and some of the evangelicals fighting to make sure. Because I think part of the Affordable Care Act, you have to provide contraceptives at no cost, and mm. they were fighting. And I think they got the exception to not provide it. So you don't want to provide contraceptives, which <laughs> should they pass it, please? English has finished for today. <laughs> <laughs> My closing, what's my, what's my closing thought? My closing thought is essentially what I said, that if you're really serious about reducing, you know, abortion, because an abortion is to terminate an unwanted pregnancy, start from the root cause is to stop the unwanted pregnancy from happening in the first place. And that is with comprehensive sex education and uh, contraceptives. And the second thing is that making abortion illegal is not going to stop abortions. It's going to stop safe abortions. Women are still going to attempt abortions in unsafe ways, and they're going to die as a result. But y'all don't give a fuck about that, obviously. I just think of all the things that I heard in Cameroon growing up, eating a ripe mango, bowling <laughs> guava leaf. <laughs> That's just the kind of nonsense that I've heard people in university, they used hangers, but we're not going to go. Let's just listen, some very, very crude. And there were healthcare workers who were doing kind of backside abortions, which is still unsafe and is still very, very risky for the woman. And that's simply what's going to happen in America. And that's what happens anywhere where abortion is criminalized. So you know, you're not stopping them. You're just stopping safe abortions. That's it. 
I think my own closing remarks is we just, there's so much when it comes to women's reproductive health, there's so much, like we just scratched the surface of this Mm -hmm. um, because like you talked about even like financing. I think that in this country, you should not just be having children. Don't just be burning to burn. Like (laughs) you got to be strategic because I guess it affects your finances, which is, it's my, it feels strange saying that, but there's you can be financial financially savvy while planning your family. Yeah, agreed. Because there, you know, your healthcare premiums are gonna go up. Childcare, the food in your house. Do you have adequate space in your house? Not only that. So let me give you an before we go. Simple example: somebody who had a baby in December and somebody who had a baby in January. It will probably cost the person who had the baby in January twice what it cost the person in December. Because if you have a baby the year that you have the baby in the year that it was conceived, or maybe if you conceived in like December or November and you held off on going to the doctor, that's fine. But by and large, like if you went through like all your visits to your OB in that one year, you will meet your deductible right, by the time you're right. having the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have your baby on January 1st, you will pay <laughs> the deductible for the new year. So imagine your deductible is 3500 The first person just had to make it to 3500 and pay a little fees here. You went to January, you're going to pay 7000 Like Just look at the kind of math that people have to be mathing. You have to be calculating whether you're going to have your baby at the beginning of the year. America is ghetto because you should not, that's not one of the things you should be worrying about, whether you've met your deductible. <laughs> and if you have your baby in December, you can claim that on your taxes for the new year. So essentially you can do it for free while the other dumb people <laughs> like me are paying. <laughs> America double. is ghetto and yes it just sounds very weird but i tell people that it is what it is so you got to work within the con- constraints of what you're working in as much as you can control right like if you have other conditions and you, it's just out of your control when it happened is when it happened fine through that all right if you are enjoying this podcast please give us a five-star rating and review us wherever you're listening also follow us on instagram at tubies pod um i know that some topics that we discussed might have been upsetting or you know triggering for some people but we want to hear your thoughts so um you know send us a note in the spotify q a or dm us again on instagram at tubies pod and until next time trouble meet up what does that one mean Nyanga is what is Nyanga? Nyanga fowl is like a pretty chicken. <laughs> I want to say like you're making Nyanga. I want to just say that you're considered chicken, right? You're all about you. You're minding you're, your business. You're, you're, you're all your about business. yourself. Yes, and then you're minding your business. Trouble came and met you in your house, like from where you didn't go anywhere. So yeah, essentially, like every now and again, you just be minding your business, and trouble come and meet you in the front door. Trouble with I have never heard of that, but I like my it. Mother, I heard it from my mother. I don't know what she was saying. So one day, and she just goes, Trouble with them, Nyangafo.